Welcome to the next episode of the Austin Bar Association's Council of Firsts. I'm your host, Amanda Ariaga, First Latina Bar President. This podcast is made possible by the Texas Bar Foundation. In today's episode, we talk to an attorney who leads an organization dedicated to advancing minority women in the legal profession. Dominique McCleggan-Brown is the founder of the Sisters-in-Law, LLC. Dominique received her BA in History and her Master's in Entrepreneurship from the University of Florida and her law degree from the University of Texas School of Law. In 2022, she won the Travis County Women Lawyers Association Award for Contribution to the Minority Community, and this year she won the Outstanding Young Lawyer Award from the Austin Young Lawyers Association and the Texas Young Lawyers Association. She was also a nominee for Space Maker of the Year by Div Inc. Champions of Change for creating a unique community gathering space powered by the principles of diversity, inclusion, equity, and justice. The mission of Sisters in Law is to connect, encourage, and empower minority women in the law by creating a platform to share open reflections and spark conversations about the unique experiences we face in a non-diverse profession. I'm happy to have with me today, Dominique McCleggan-Brown. Dominique, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. I want to start at the beginning for you, because you've had a lot of different <laughs> educational opportunities. <laughs> yes. Why did you want to be a lawyer? I actually always wanted to be a lawyer, even in high school, although my resume would say, well, did you divert from that path <laughs> a little bit? I did. I did. I was a student athlete in college, and uh, I competed through my master's program in business school um, before heading off to law school. I think both law and business are degrees that are not wasteful. Uh -huh. <laughs> they will help you in whatever you want to do in life. I envision doing maybe my own nonprofit one day or, or something in that give back type of space. Uh, so the entrepreneurship program at Warrington College of Business was really a great fit for me. Just learning how to craft a business plan and pitch your ideas and, and all of the things that go into, you know, hey, it's not that easy to start a business sometimes. So that gave me good background. I think for a lot of the community activism and work that I do now, uh, it actually helps translate uh, quite a bunch for me. But law is something I kept circling back to that I wanted to do. Really, if I'm honest, I love a good argument. <laughs> not for <laughs> argument's sake, you know, not argue just to argue, but I really love a well thought out, well crafted argument that looks at all points, right? The points that are for you and against you and, and really makes a statement and is persuasive. I just find that interesting and fun. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to make that argument and stand up for whether it's a cause or yourself mm -hmm. um, or your client. And so in your day job, you're an attorney, mm -hmm. but you used your entrepreneurship skills to create Sisters-in-Law. I did. Why is this platform so important? I felt that it was needed. Honestly, the intersection of race and gender offers a lot of nuanced experiences. When I was, you know, I'm not a native Austinite, even though I've was visiting Texas and Austin since I was a kid. But, you know, I came here with my husband who was stationed at Fort Hood. That's how we kind of got to Texas. And then Texas Law is how we got to Austin and have stayed. But when I left Texas Law, graduated, I realized, you know, I was entering a professional space. I mean, I knew it wasn't diverse, but the city itself is not very diverse. So, you know, some friends are going to Houston or Dallas or New York or DC or, you know, wherever. But I was realizing like a lot of my diverse group of friends were leaving the city upon graduation. And this community that I had cultivated in law school was now going to be far away, a phone call away, but still far away. 
And so I just felt that this space was needed. There's so many robust women lawyer groups, conferences, activities, and I, and I attend a lot of those. And, and at the time when I was a first year lawyer, second year lawyer, I attend a lot of those. And I found that the settings lacked racial diversity and a lot of times diversity of perspective and experience. And I just felt like something was missing. And it bothered me, honestly. But the kind of person I am, you know, I could sit and stew about it, <laughs> can make a little complaint and vent, or I could say, well, what, what am I doing to be part of this solution and part of this conversation? And that's what, that's what came to me. Like, what am I doing? What are, or what could I be doing to create a space that fills a void? And that's how I came up with the idea for the Sisters-in-Law. Well, and you mentioned that we have a lot of other women-focused organizations, and we attended, we were part of. I don't think that you attended. I wasn't. Because you, you, you had some brand new babies. I just given birth to twins, yeah. Um, but there was an event, the Well Summit, Women Empowering Leadership in the Law, earlier this year. And it was a partnership between the Travis County Women Lawyers Association, mm -hmm. Mamas, the Legal Lady Lawyers, Sisters-in-Law, and Cafecitos. The Austin Bar was not part of that. I was just invited to attend, and I was so inspired that these five groups, who all have seemed like they would naturally be in competition for members, mm. worked together to put on this event, and they allowed every group to do a commercial for themselves. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that event and how it came together. Sure. I, too, was very excited that all of these groups were coming together. You know, uh, Shireen Thomas reached out to me over social media back in September of 2022, to let me know that she had an idea. Um, and in the message, in the, in the DM message, it wasn't clear what the idea was, but it was, I have, I have an idea <laughs> and let's go to coffee. And I want to bring Caroline Hall from uh, TCWLA. And will you just meet with us and hear, and hear me out? And I said, sure, you know, sure. I'm also pregnant with twins, so I might be waddling my way down <laughs> to Houndstooth, but let's do it. Um, and so when I met with her and Caroline, she, Shireen shared her vision to bring these separate groups together and from that moment honestly i was all in because i like the fact that she was presenting the idea that there's space for everyone right and one of like i said one of my i guess catalyst moments for starting the sisters-in-law is because i was going to events and feeling like there was a lack of representation you know i'm sitting in this room full of you know quite frankly, mostly Caucasian women <laughs> or presentably Caucasian women. And, you know, like, hello, hello, hi, <laughs> which is fine. But, you know, I just I just felt like, no, we're here. We're out here. There's more diversity to be had. And and if this is an issue in our profession, we, we need to be more visible and um, pointed about it. So, you know, Shireen told me the groups that she was talking about. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm newly a member of Mamas, and I work with Cafecitos. I've partnered with the League of Lady Lawyers. I've been a member of TCWLA. And all of those groups have amazing, phenomenal women in them, phenomenal people and phenomenal attorneys. And there's no reason that they shouldn't all meet up, you know? And I just feel like alone, each of those groups are fabulous, and they have a slightly different purpose and demographic. They fill a specific need. But together, it's like magic, you know, when you start overlapping experiences, I mean, that's when you really talk about intersectionality and interdependence. And that's when you really have true change and growth is hearing from different experience, whether you're a mom or not a mom, right? 
Um, whether you're a judge or a brand new lawyer or a senior partner, whether you're a minority, whether you're not, you know, whether you identify on the LGBTQ spectrum, I mean, all of those things, you can't be an effective ally and stand in the gap for someone when you don't know what the gap is and you don't know the gap impact. You have to learn from other groups. And so coming together is really the only way to do that authentically and effectively. So um, I loved it from the moment on. I was really happy to be part of the planning. I was so sad to miss the day of the event. To be fair, the date changed. The date changed. You know, we had some weather issues. But by the time the date changed because of weather storms, um, yeah, I was just out of the hospital. So, Well, and beyond the Well Summit, you continue this goal of coming together authentically and effectively, mm-hmm. and you continue to partner with some of these groups. So tell me about any upcoming event that you might have. Yeah, we have an event on October 4th. It's a lunch and learn. We're partnering with Cafecitos, which is a wonderful Latin women's lawyer group, um, and headed by someone I you know, consider an informal mentor of mine, Maria Califf. And We're coming together to do this lunch and learn. We have a great guest speaker. I'm so excited. It's at McGinnis. The speaker is Paulina Artieda. She's from The New Philanthropist, and she's going to give a workshop that she calls the Equity Chair. And it's talking about diversity um, in nonprofit boards and nonprofit leadership. I think as attorneys, we're often invited and sought out to be on such boards. And, you know, people do so for a variety of reasons, but, you know, pretty much every attorney I've met has been on a board or at least been asked to be on a board at some point. And unfortunately, what you find is that while these nonprofits are doing charitable work and often reaching um, maybe disenfranchised communities and maybe communities that they're not a part of, the, the, the board space, that table looks very not like the people they're serving <laughs> in general. And so how do we how do we change that? You know, sometimes there's monetary things that are associated with boards and I, you know, I'm not I'm not giving away anything that Paulina is going to go into. Um I actually have a we have a meeting with her tomorrow just hammering out the last minute details, but I think it's a really exciting topic is what I'm getting at. You know, there's just so much that can be said to break this ceiling of what we think boards look like um how can we be more inclusive in that space you know like if it costs you ten thousand dollars to be on a board a lot of times there is a fiduciary responsibility Mm -hmm. there you know then we are going to miss a certain amount of people right or a certain demographic that would be willing to help and also would be valuable contributors so I, I'm really excited about this conversation. I think it's pertinent to attorneys. I think uh, as minority women too, you know, it's an opportunity for us, like, use your voice, get out there. If you are hesitant about being on a board, you can make a change. If you're on a board and you need to take a more active role or you want to push back on some things, like, speak up and push back. You know, for myself, I... Um, I, I worked with Dress for Success Austin for a number of years, and I did not sit on their official board, but I founded what they call the Circle of Impact, which is, we'll say mini board adjacent, but, you know, it's not their official nonprofit board. But anyway, you know, one of the things that I did in the last couple of years was to raise, we get, you know, they collect not only clothing, but hair supplies, 
shoes, accessories, all kinds of things, laptops, old laptops. <laughs> if it's not too old, but <laughs> they collect all this. But I said, you know, hey, you're giving out makeup samples to melanated women that don't match your skin. I have been, I have gone through a mall, you know, and they hand you a little goodie bag from XYZ. And you think, oh, great, what's in here? And it's a pasty pink lipstick <laughs> and a beige concealer. And I go, well, what am I supposed to do with that? nothing. <laughs> and I throw it out, right? So if you're actually going to give to women who are using this and they're preparing for interviews and you know getting their um, job situation together, we need to be more inclusive in the items that we're presenting and the items that we're collecting for these women's hair products and, and makeup. I know, I mean, that's a simple story, but for me, it's a very acute example of what a diverse perspective or a minor specifically a minority perspective in the situation can do. And everyone said, oh my gosh, sure. And now they're doing wonderful workshops about, you know, black hair and, and, and they have, I mean, it's gone from night and day of what they're offering. And it's just from speaking up and putting yourself out there and saying, hey, this is a need you may not have considered. When I would be interested in Paulina's perspective and yours, I might need to go to this event um, I was on a panel last week and they were talking about how at some point there are diverse lawyer leaders that are identified and then mm. the same people are always tapped to do things. And there becomes a competition among the boards. You know, I can't be president of this because I was just asked to be on the board of that and start that leadership yes. event. And to some extent, I think that competition is good. There's no one path for us to be on. And so if there is competition, we have lots of opportunities mm -hmm. and I could be president of this or that mm -hmm. or this and that, but I need to take a break from group A to start group B. Um, I would be interested to know, like, how do we do that as well? And we need to cultivate more folks so that we currently have a pipeline of leaders with different perspective and different thoughts in all of the fancy groups that you could be in charge of. Yeah, I, I think that one of the ways potentially that we could do that in the Austin legal community is right. Like I said, Austin itself is not a super visibly diverse city. The profession is not visibly diverse, but you can control the topics that we talk about. We can control the issues that we bring to the forefront so that people know that this is a welcoming space, right? That's how you encourage more diversity, right? You have, you know, sometimes I don't want to walk into a space that I already think is might be a little hostile I already think they're uncomfortable, you know, saying the word diversity <laughs> or, or such. You know, it doesn't encourage one to speak out all the time, right? You know, fear of retribution or something like that, right? Especially in your professional network. But if we make those topics of importance in those spaces, we can encourage diversity. I mean, a good example of that for me is um, my Inn of Court, the Lockridge Inn of Court, which I'm a huge fan of, very much love being involved in that group for a variety of reasons. But my first year as an associate member, the topic um, for the year was race and the law. You know, I found that, I mean, scary <laughs> and great and wonderful and welcoming all at the same time because, you know, I mean, quite frankly, there's not that many African-American people in my inn. 
Um, just going to be honest, count it on one hand. And so as a new member and a young lawyer, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I'm in this very, you know, feels elite type of space that doesn't look like me. But hey, they said that this topic is important. They said it. They don't look like me. And they said that this topic is important and that we're going to discuss this in an open, honest, friendly way. And, you know, and I, I love that. You know, I, I didn't shy away from it. Um, I participated, you know, as much as I could. But, you know, that is a way to show people like, this is a space for you. We think these things are important. We want to encourage more people. And now the inn is getting more diverse, I will say, over the past couple of years that I have been there. When you, when you create an opening, more people will come. And that will breed competition, but it's a good thing. It's a good, the more the merrier. Bring it on. So, so we've touched on this a little bit already, um, but since I consider you to be a bit of an expert now with <laughs> sisters-in-law, do you think that the Austin legal community provides enough support specifically for females and minorities? As a whole, I would say no. But I do think that there are a lot of individuals out there who want to and are making an effort to provide that support. You know, in the age of book bans and word bans across the country, it's really important, I think, that Austin, you know, steps up and says that we can do better um, and that we will do better. You know, while I think the Austin legal community is pretty good at openly supporting diversity on its face, as I've said before, the reality is it's not very diverse when you look at it and, and you're in it. Um, but you know, there's more that we can do. And I think that if we keep this as a top focus of people's minds and, you, and, you're, and you're actively trying, that's the thing. I mean, diversity is not something you can be passive about. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be active about approaching it, um, changing it, helping it grow. And, and I think that we, we can do that and we, we should do that. But, I, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of barriers to that. You know, it's only the last couple of years that people are recognizing or feeling more comfortable with having these conversations regularly and not just getting an immediate eye roll to the to the conversation or maybe the brush aside that you know oh that's a problem of old we no longer have that problem or i think in our legal community it's really easy to shoulder shrug to demographics and say well <laughs> you know <laughs> we're supportive but what can we do the numbers are what they are right um but that shouldn't, that shouldn't stop us from making it more of a priority. Well, and it's funny. The reason that I started this podcast is Austin is not very diverse, but we love talking about diversity. Mm -hmm. But we don't always remember to celebrate it when we have it. Mm -hmm. And we don't always celebrate other organizations. So there might be some people who wonder, like, well, how does this help the Austin bar that I'm interviewing sisters-in-law, right? Mm -hmm. Your members might not be my members. Yeah. But I think it's not my job to make that happen. It's my job to give you a platform so that all of your members feel included, like we were talking about before. Yeah. You know, we do care about diversity. We talk about it every week yeah. on this podcast. And mm -hmm. so um, I hope having you here shows that we do have a commitment to doing this. And as you have ideas, as listeners have ideas, I've interviewed Maria Melia Kalaf mm -hmm. um, from Cafecitos for the same reason, to say like, if this is not where you found your place and your favorite place to be, but we can help lead you to where you might feel represented and included, mm -hmm. then I think maybe that's my job too. Yeah. And that's an important job. I mean, I really appreciate that 
as the founders of the Sisters-in-Law, um, having this platform, be able to reach more people. And it's not always just about reaching people who might be like our core demographic member, minority women attorneys, right? You know, sometimes I think that your strongest supporter, mentor, sponsor doesn't look have to look like you, right? I mean, for my for me personally in my career, oftentimes they don't look like me, right? You know, I've had many of people that like there's no nothing in common about our backgrounds. Um, you just need to have someone who sees you and who keeps their door open for you. And that's what I'm hoping, and I, I appreciate, like, I know of the Austin Bar, to know that the door's open for us, right? That we can walk in here and ask questions and suggest, you know, ideas and be a part of that conversation, which is what a, ultimately what I wanted for the Sisters-in-Law is I wanted a way to collect, have a collective voice of minority women attorneys be a part of these conversations because they're happening in our city but they're happening amongst a not diverse group of people talking about diversity, which is good, but you have to include these other perspectives. Otherwise you're just an echo chamber. You don't know what you don't know, you know, and you're, you know, kind of patting yourself on the back for what you do know, but we all have to do that. You know, everyone is an ally of someone else. I like to say that all the time, you know, as much as I can, you know, I'm a minority woman, I'm a black woman, but you know, I can be an ally of someone who, you know, has a physical disability, right? And we're all an ally to somebody else. So what can we do better to, to make space for each other? So besides Sisters-in-Law, what organizations have meant the most to you professionally or personally? So I would say outside of, uh, you know, school, collegial atmosphere, for me, it would be the Lockridge Inn of Court, which sounds like a very nerdy response, but um, I was a student member of that inn at Texas Law. And, um, you know, I don't think I thought that much of it as a student member. I, I'm not that I didn't think it was great, but I didn't realize how much it would impact my professional career. The relationships I made as a student member, I didn't think, I was just like, well, you know, they'll forget about me. I mean, <laughs> I'm a student. <laughs> what do I know? But um, I actually had two of the members reach out to me um, once I was a practicing attorney and say, what are you doing? How come you haven't joined the inn? Why have you not applied to rejoin the inn as a full-fledged member? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm really glad I did. And I'm glad that those two people pushed me because the relationships that I've made in my inn and the professional development that I've received in the inn has definitely had a huge impact on kind of the way I navigate the Austin legal community. And again, it's an example of, you know, a lot of people that don't look like me <laughs> who, you know, are investing their time into me, even if it's just to say, like, I'm here for you. What's your question? Or how can I connect you to these other people that I know? you know, or let me be a sounding board for you. And it's been a great experience for me. Yeah, that's great. Because not everybody walks into a room and immediately feels the welcoming embrace. So the fact that you have that with the Lockridge Inn, kudos to them. I know. They're doing good things over there. Yeah. <laughs> but really, and, I, you know, I think 
Right. As attorneys, right. I mean, we're kind of like talkative people. It's not that hard to make small conversation, but what I found is real connection, you know, and people who are like beyond the happy hour chatter, you know, people who wanted to follow up and say, no, but how are you doing? What do you think your next steps are? How can I help you? How's your family? How's this or that, you know, and that's been really great. Mm -hmm. So back to a heavy question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's the fall of 2023. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Austin is on the right path to increasing diversity in the legal profession? That's a hard one. I think it's really hard to say, and it really depends on how you measure increased diversity. I think that there's a lot of discussion and programming and good things happening around this idea of reaching young people before they get to law school or maybe reaching out to the law student um, and trying to beef up those numbers, right, of these potential Texas attorneys. I, and if so, if that's the measurement, if that's what we're going by, I think we are doing good. Not to say we're doing great, but we're doing good, you know. Um, but if the measurement is about retention, if the measurement is about that five to seven, five to 10 year attorney, how are they doing? How are they thriving? How are they continuing to feel like the community is investing in them and that they're growing in a space that is healthy for them? I don't know that we're, I would say that we're on track. I don't see that much conversation around that. It seems like there's a lot about the inception point but not the follow-up. And you need the follow-up. The inception point is great, you know? I mean, I'm all about it. Like, you can get hit the undergrad market who before they get to law school, or you can invest in some, you know, law students, whether at Texas or Houston or, you know, St. Mary's or wherever. Great. Fantastic. But what happens once you're there? And that's where you're finding those retention numbers aren't good. And when you talk about, like, minority professionals leaving Austin and going to other cities, what you will hear again and again, if people are being honest with you, <laughs> is this doesn't really feel like a supportive area for me to raise my diverse family, right? Or for me to continue to grow, you know, in my, as my visible minority self, as my black woman self. You know, I, I hear it all the time. And then people go and they go to Houston and they go to Dallas or they leave the state, you know, and they do great things. Other you know, in other places, but they should also do great things right here in Austin because we want them to, right? And because we want this to be a place where they can do that and, and feel like they, they can do that, you know? They can do that, but to feel like they, they can do that. So I don't think we're, we're there yet, you know? Well, since you have this partnership already built in with TCWLA and Gafasitas, legal lady lawyers, and mamas, consider us a partner as well as you think about that kind of programming because that is important, that retention of the lawyers and feeling home here. Yeah. Because having gone to UT Law as well, mm -hmm. I think people wanted to stay in Austin. Mm. There just weren't necessarily all of the big firm jobs here that people wanted. Um, and so now folks got the ability to stay here and then are leaving because it doesn't feel like home anymore – we should try to figure out how do we change that? Yeah. How do we address that? 
Yeah, we do. We should figure it out. We should. So part, Today. part two of this podcast, <laughs> we're going to tell you our solution for retention of lawyers. Yes. We have a five-part plan. <laughs> but we'll unveil it later. Later, later, in a, later. In a different episode. Yeah, yeah, later, later. <laughs> Keep the mystery. What advice would you give to attorneys who want to get involved but don't know how? Involved in the general Austin legal community? Involved in, in sisters-in-law specifically? In the legal community. I would say you really just need to show up. And I don't say that flippantly at all. I think one of the best things that I did, um, you know, and I'm you know, not like I've been an attorney for so, so long, but um, one of the best things I did early in my career is I just, I went places. I, you know, I saw there was something happening, <laughs> a CLE or some kind of happy hour or TCWA does that, um, that like judicial thing every year at the Driscoll or something like mm -hmm. that. And even if I was like, I don't know who I will know there. I don't know what my purpose is. <laughs> you know, just go and shake hands and meet people and talk to people. And that's all you really need to do. And I, I feel like I did that a lot extensively as much as I could. And then people start remembering that they saw you somewhere or, you know, they introduce you to someone else that they know. And in that way, your circle expands pretty rapidly. You know, I mean, yes, we're the capital city of Texas, but we're a small city. So you can find that if you put in that, that effort initially, you will quickly, you know, some of my <laughs> girlfriends who are not attorneys, every time I go somewhere with them, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to see someone you know. And we're like, uh, here we go again. <laughs> How did you know this person? I'm like, oh, well, they're an attorney. <laughs> I know them for this or that. And, it, and it's really just putting yourself out there, which I know can be frightening for people, but you have to do it. That's my best advice. You just, you, you have to get over that. If you do, if the outside, you have to do it. Maybe you only, if you don't like to do it, put a time limit. Say, I'm going to stay for 45 minutes. And then I'm going to leave. I'm going to make myself meet two people and then I'm out. You know, if you're like, I don't really like to meet that many people, but you have to start somewhere. You honestly can't, you can't make this a home if you stay at your own home, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to get out there. So put yourself out there. People, I found that people are actually generally, genuinely friendly, you know, and the few people who aren't, you know, well, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, and it's probably helpful for people to know all of us feel that way sometime. You're yes. walking into a meeting. You're the head of sisters-in-law. I'm the past president of the bar. And I still sometimes I'm like, well, I know anyone there. Yes. And then we always do. Or you make friends. Or you meet someone. Yeah, exactly. You know, and on those days when you're really tired, because sometimes I get that too. You know, sometimes the happy hours and the lunches and all, you're just like, oh, no, not again. Like. I need to go home and sit, um, you know, then just tell yourself you're gonna do two a month or something like that, you know, make it manageable for you, but start, you know, again, you, you will get, guarantee you will know someone or you will meet someone who knows someone that you know, and that will be a point of conversation. Easy. <laughs> do you have anything else that you'd like to say to our audience? Any words of advice? Because you're a very accomplished person. Oh, you have won many awards just in the past year and a half. Yeah, I don't. I was. I get surprised by those things still to this day. Um, 
you know, I would say one, follow the sisters-in-law, come join us. Uh, one of the things I am really trying to stress to people uh, in general is that don't feel like you're excluded, you know? Like, if you want to go to the Hispanic bars, <laughs> mixer, <laughs> right? You should go. <laughs> Not saying you should go and step all over people's space and you know, be rude, obviously. But if you want to go with an open heart and learn and meet people and support an organization that's not you, you know, you want to go to the LGBTQ section of the Austin Bars meeting or event and you're not, you don't identify that way, they would love to, people love to have you. That's what I'm going to say. If you wanted to, if you want to come to anything the Sisters Law and you said, I am a white man. <laughs> I will say, well, you should come. You should not take up all the air in the room, <laughs> but you should come and you should participate and you should tell our, your friends and you should do what you can to show that you're supporting that organization and those people and those perspectives, right? And every day, day and night, I would be happy to welcome you. And I really think not to speak for all these other affinity groups, but in my, in my practice, people want you there. They want you to be at the table. They want you at the cookout. They want you there, you know? They want you there if you wanna be there with good intentions, with genuine love and interest, then they want you there. So don't be afraid to, you know, get out of your comfort zone, go to other things, you know, support, other things that you normally be like, oh, I'm not sure if that's my space, right? Like, okay, no, it's not your space to like say all the things, but it is your space to learn and to grow and to support. It's always your space to support somebody else, you know? So, and your clients love it too. So don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just saying, you know, you're going to get a client that at some point doesn't, you know, associate the way you associate, right? And you need to learn about other people and other ideas and other thoughts and know that those thoughts are out there even if they're not your own. You are such a positive force. I love that we're ending on the note. People love to have you. <laughs> people do. love to have you. Like it makes perfect sense why you are the most accomplished person of <laughs> no, the year. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad that we had you today. Thank and you. Um, we'll see y'all next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.